this week, I'll <clears throat> someone asked me to explain one of the ways this famous of Nachman <clears throat> and his teachings, how a person to cope with their disappointments in life, things that bother them in life, and pain, mainly pain, which life, you know, life has its pain, sometimes more than we want, but uh, the reality is. And there's also a very famous trader where he explains what, you know, what is a means being attached. What does it mean being sort of, at, you know, close to a tzaddik? What does this mean? So, <clears throat> he begins based on the Zoya, but the Zoya explains there's a, there's a, exists a super, super field, which really represents as a field where the neshumas grow. Now, it's very hard to understand what that really means, this uh, field, because it's not a, thing that we see a field, it's a spiritual sort of field where all the souls grow. Souls of a person, as long as he lives and he grows to understand and to get close to Hashem, those are the, the souls have a growth to it. And every soul is planted exactly where, you know, it's not just randomly. So he says, in which all souls grow, and these souls need the master of the field to engage in their rectification. Like, you know, the, 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 this is one of the big things in Kabbalah, in the, in the teachings of Kabbalah, where every soul at the end will come to a perfection. You know, sometimes, you know, you have to come down twice. Sometimes you're lucky, you'll just come down once. But the end is, every one of us will the end of Mashiach and the ultimate goal will be perfected. And this perfection, as I always say, is beyond our comprehension. Only Hashem knows. Because Hashem has made us, made us with our strength, with our weaknesses, and where we live, and who we marry, and who the children are, who our neighbors are. All this gets into the picture. But the end of everything is, sort of the end of everything, is our souls will be perfected. And to, ex to explain this in a, in a more understanding way, which means, like I always try to explain this, no one's body is perfect. We all need a dentist, we all need an eye doctor, we all have our aches and pains, that the body of a person isn't perfect, nor is anyone emotionally perfect. No one has an emotional perfection he doesn't don't have hang-ups. We all have our hang-ups in life. I always try to say in Yiddish, there's a very famous, famous saying that someone we call Meshuga is just he has one of too many hang-ups. But we all have a little bit of our hang-ups. And the soul has also imperfection. There's an imperfect, and the end is just like we need. The person needs to perfect himself physically, emotionally, the end, end, when Mashiach will come all the way to the end of the end, every soul will be perfected, will come to an incredible perfection. So now, he explains over here, there is a master of the field. The master of the field is called the great Sadiqim, 
there are many, many great tzaddikim who are sort of in charge to help the souls perfect themselves. Just like Lahav Dalini, the great doctor, there is great masters who help a person perfect themselves. And this was really one of the things that Baal Shem Tev started, that people were close to a tzaddik, and, they, and so if you're close in this world, or you follow the ways, not always can, that's, they cannot always exist, but you follow the teachings of a tzaddik, sort of you connect it, and the next world, literally, he will accompany, help you perfect yourself. You know, one of the most frightening things is when we pass away from this world. And it's interesting, Zoya, the Zoya says, when a person passes away from this world, there are souls who accompany them. I had a doctor who told me, came to ask me, he does, he's a hospice doctor. He says, he came to the hospice, and uh, it was a non-Jewish lady, and he says to her, I'm going to die. And he says, you have six weeks, you know, your cancer's not spread, what are you? He says, no, no doctor, I'm going to die. Why? My mom is sitting right in this chair. <laughs> so he thought, you know, it happened a second time. And I took it as Zoya, and I showed him. The Zoya says that the souls come to accompany the, when the person leaves this world, to accompany him to the next world. So it's clearly in the Zoya. What was interesting, that you don't have to be Jewish for that. There are souls that come and accompany. When we leave this world, if a person's very close to tzaddik, the tzaddik helps them, accompany them to the next world, and to get to the perfection that we need to do, he says. Now, he says, if you read it inside English, a person who wishes to take pity on his soul so that he not be left naked and wandering about the outside the field should beg and plead a great deal before Hashem all his life that he should be married to come close to tzaddik, who's the master of the field. Not always are we close to tzaddik. So one of the things that Nachman used to say, a person should daven all his life, that he should get close to tzaddik, to these great tzaddikim, to the teachings, in order that we should have a perfection in, in the world to come. This is a, one of very important a topic among chassidim. It's not only Chabad, not only Breslev. It's a universal concept based on the teaching of Hashem Tov that a person getting close that tzaddik literally helps the tzaddik, helps them to perfect themselves. Now, and I want to explain number two. This is number one, and we'll get to see how this, how do we get to this in a minute. He says, the main perfection, he says, of prayer is when a person reaches the ultimate goal. Now, let me explain to you what he says, a very, very, very interesting thing. To explain what he says, I want to introduce a concept. When a person says something, especially when they pray something, which is known in, in, in teachings of Kabbalah, the, it, the word itself has life. When you articulate something and you speak words, it's not just, you know, just goes and finish. I spoke and I did something and I, I read something and I gossip, or I didn't, I just said, it literally has sort of, it takes a life unto itself, sort of to say. The word itself, what you speak. The marshal, a person says Baruch, praise. It says the word Baruch, Atah Hashem. The word Baruch itself that comes out of your mouth has life, has a life to itself. 
and it becomes sort of an existing thing, especially when you say it with your inside, with your soul, when a person puts everything into his prayers. And you say Baruch, that word Baruch itself sort of is, became alive. It has a, as we, in America, I always say people say it has a life to itself. It is a life. It's not just, you know, I spoke something and it went something. And so what, he, what Rav Nachman is saying, when a person starts to daven, praying, he says, Baruch, that letter, not just the whole word, the letter itself begs, don't abandon me. He says, don't just move on and you just run off. Just please don't abandon me. The Baruch itself, the word, the letters, asks, very, very, please hold on to me. Don't let me go. Because the, when a person prays, every word of prayer is a life. And it's a, otherwise, to explain this, this answers a question that many, many people ask. We say the prayers of davening every day. Shamanessa all the time. We say it over every day, the three times a day in the week. It's almost the same thing. Because the truth is, it's not, it is, it is the same text. But it literally, you create enormous amount of nefoshos, it's called. Certain type of a soul, it's hard to identify them when you pray. So when your person says a blessing, he says Baruch, and he says Atu, and he says the name of Hashem, those, all those words beg a person to hold on to me, don't abandon me. That means as you go on, even though you go on to with your prayers, stay connected from the beginning to the end. So the prayers beg that if you, just because he started with the first letter and the first word, keep me, go on, hold me on to yourself till the prayer is finished and make into the prayer one big thing and that's one big thing of prayer. This is, that means, this, why, why is this so important to understand? When you pray, I, I, it is a real life that what happens when the prayer does has a life and, and gets connected to the person. The prayer has a thing and it gets literally connected. Very often people think, well, I prayed and the prayer just left me and it went away. It's gone, today's another day. We don't see it, but the truth is all those prayers are connected to you. And, and, and it's not just a prayer, it has a life to itself, sort of to say. And, and, so Rachman explains over here that what goes on in the prayer, he explains, that each time you pray something, you say tell them, even when a person just begs for something, each one of these is collecting sort of flowers and um, trees and beautiful things. See, prayer is a very, very beautiful thing because that is the one way mostly as we connect to Hashem. That makes us a relationship with Hashem. So when a person prays, each prayer he collects beautiful flowers and beautiful things until it becomes one. I always tell people that, you know, Hashem is saying to us, I'm waiting for you to call me. You know, sometimes you don't want to call someone because you're afraid they're not going to answer the phone or going to hang up the phone on you or they're going to be annoyed with you. And it says, Hashem is waiting. He says, ah, finally you call. I'm waiting for this phone call. Hashem is waiting for us to pray. A person should never ever think that we're a nudnik. We're a bother. 
You know what Hashem says to us? I want you to be a nudge. Imagine. Hashem says, I want you to nudge me. And I'm waiting, every day I'm waiting that you should nudge me. What, a, what an incredible invitation. Sometimes we're nervous, you know, not to be, you know, too, too much of a nudge, too much of a bother. Here Hashem says, just speak. Talk to me. And, you know, and I would listen. But the truth is, every word of a prayer is a beautiful, has a life. And, now, he goes in a great length, if you read this English part, he, in the Hebrew part, it's a great length explains how it is really an incredible, beautiful thing, the prayer. It's not just the whole prayer, every letter of the prayer, every word of the prayer. It is an enormous, beautiful thing. And then he explains, <clears throat> I mean, it, it, the words, it's a great, in great, uh, if you read the English words, he says, he says such in, incredible words. He's sort of the prayer begs, pleads, and, and, and just hope you're not going to abandon her. The, each word of the prayer, such a powerful thing, literally begs, pleads, please do not let go of me, and hugs you and holds on to you. We don't see it, obviously, because we don't see these things, but this is what every davening goes on. Now, to explain this, he goes on to a topic now, Nachman. I want to explain this, what he's going to explain now. He says, you know, the Gemara, we say in davening, a very interesting thing we say. In the day when Mashiach comes, Hashem will be and his name is going to be one. He is going to be one, his name is going to be one. So the Gemara asks a very interesting question. Hashem then is going to be one? We say every day, Krishna, Hashem is only one. What is this? Mahu. In the days of Mashiach, Yashem Echad, Hashem's name is going to be one, Yishma Echad. So Gemara says a very interesting thing, the Gemara says. Gemara says like this. Right now, when you live right now, a person has, a good news comes to them, got a good job, a baby is born, you know, whatever, we thank Hashem, make it, we make a shechayanu, comes a new holiday, you get yourself a new car, we thank Hashem for the good things. Bad news comes to us. There's a mitzvah to say also, Burich Dainemis. A person loses a relative. He has to sit shiva. He says, Dainemis. Or it doesn't have to be. A person lost his money. You know, a person lost a large sum of money is very painful. He should say, Dainemis. Hashem is the true judge. But no one is in a happy mood when he says it. Even though we should know that everything is bashed, no one really is always in a very, very happy mood about it. Very rare. There's a very famous story when one of the big, big, big tzaddikim, who he had his own yeshiva, and he was very wealthy independently. He didn't want to have a ran yeshiva. It was not a rabbi of a community. It was very rare in those days in Europe. And uh, yeah, he was an importer-exporter, and there was a child in the yeshiva who lost his parents in a terrible accident. And the uh, Rebbe always used to say, you have to remember everything one day, you'll understand it's good, and gave him always encouragement, encouragement. The news got to the yeshiva that the Rebbe's boat sank with all his merchandise. It's got, you know, it sank. 
So there was a debate who is going to go in and tell the Rav, the Rosh Hashiva, the head, to tell him this news. So this young boy says, you know, I'm going to go in. He comes in and he tells the, the Shiva again that he's depressed. And he tells him, you know, you have to be strong. And he gives him a pep talk. And he says, Rebbe, I want to ask you a question. He says, Rebbe, if someone would have told me I want a million dollars, I can't understand I could be happy. But if I lost everything, you know, why, how can you be happy? So the Rebbe says, you know, if I would lose everything, I would also be happy and dance. So he says, Rebbe, dance, dance. You lost everything. He said, what do you mean? The boat sank, and he turned pale. So the Rebbe used to say afterwards, till now, I thought I understood the Gemara. Now I see to live it is much harder. You know, to, to, uh, uh, the bottom line is when there's pain, we feel it. And when a loss, we feel it, and we consume with it. But the truth is, this is what we see right now. And the Mashiach is going to come, all of it, somehow, when we see afterwards, is going to be good. Right now, we don't understand it. But after everything, we're going to look back. Ah, this makes sense. Ah, that must have been the greatest blessing. I, I told someone the other week, there's the famous Tversky family. You know, the one who writes books, the psychiatrist. And uh, I was very close to his nephew, one of his nephews. a big family. And they left Galicia because the... Rabbi Tversky's father didn't get along with his father-in-law. They had a big, big uh, family feud over there, and he didn't get along, and he had to literally run away from Galicia and came to America. It was very depressing those days, coming in every another, right after World War I. What happened was, at the end, you know, which, you know I'm a child of Holocaust, so I, was, I understand what this is, very few people survived those towns. Very few. Here he survived with all his children. At the moment when they had to pick themselves up or leave Europe, it was a disaster. Well, but you look back, you understand, you know, it was a disaster. But now we look back, we saw it was a great blessing. One day, every one of us, when Mashiach comes, or when the next we'll be able to see, wow, this is a disaster. That was the greatest blessing. But right now, we feel the pain. That's how it is. We do feel the pain. Ronachman says a very, very, very insightful thing he says over here. When a person has pain, it's a natural thing. People close the eyes. Why, what is this closing the eyes come from? You know, a person is in pain, he closes his eye, clenches his teeth, and, you know, he go, ouch. Well, what is this all about? He says, just like when a person wants to understand something, he watches it. When he sees it, his mind interprets what he sees, and he has understanding. So if you want to have to look at something, you squint, and you don't see it well enough until you get a glass to take a look at what you want to see. You see, you understand it. And he says, in order to see the ultimate tachlis, tachlis means the ultimate, what the end of everything what's going to be, a person can look at that light. It's called the or ha-tachlis, the light of the ultimate goal. But the only way to see it is a person has to close his eyes for the moment and just think about the ultimate. And the ultimate, tachlis, is always good. That's why it's inherent in us. We don't even realize what we're doing. When you're in pain, you sort of you close your eyes and you don't know what you're doing. In reality, when a person closes his eyes, he looks sort of in the ultimate, ultimate. 
it was gonna, it's going to be good. This is called the light of the tachlis. You know, and to explain this a little bit, in, in Kabbalah, we say tachlis masa shemaim v'orotz in Kiddush. The ultimate goal of heaven and earth. I don't know if you know many people wear tchelis. Just we would all, if we know which one is the real, real tchelis, we would all wear. Tchelis is a thread, and tzitz is a blue thread. It's called tchelis. The Zoe says the word tchelis means tachlis, the ultimate goal. The ultimate, ultimate goal of really of everything, the ultimate, ultimate is very good. It's extremely good. We cannot see it in this world because we cannot see the future. We don't live to see, right now we're living here in the time zone, we don't see it. But in ultimate, ultimate, it is totally good. That's it says, echod, echod. So the Gemara says, right now we have two blessings. Then when Mashiach comes, we're able to see everything is ultimate because the truth is, everything, everything in the world is the ultimate goodness that the Rabbani Shimon. We just don't see it that way. Because what we see, it's like the baby doesn't see why you're washing me. But the Tachlis, which is called the light of the goal of all goals, is incredible good. But we cannot, a person cannot close his eyes and walk around thinking always about the future. I mean, you can't just walk around thinking everything is good, everything is good. Reality is, you open your eyes, you still have a toothache, you still have the emotional pain, what you're going through. You still have whatever you're going through, annoying, whatever you have, struggle, you're still struggling. But it's called, in Hasidus we call it, it's called the Rishima. Rishima means that, you know, if you take a glass of water, let's say, take the cup of orange juice, you pour it out, there's a little bit of residue of the juice there. There's a residue of the light that stays with the person when he thinks about the future. When you close the eyes, you think the ultimate, ultimate is going to be good. See, not in this world. One of the things many people think that one day I'll win the lottery, everything's going to be good. I'll hit the jackpot. Never happened. Because the ones who win it are in trouble too. You know, someone bought me an article, most of the people win it are in great trouble afterwards. It's, it's not, you know, but people have this fantasy that the end of everything, things are going to be just work out perfect. The, the, the shidduchim and the children and the grandchildren or the, my job. And one day, I don't have the perfect job, but one day it's going to work out. That never exists. That's, of course, the dream that's you're out for disappointments. Life is always challenging. Every day, every challenge is a challenge. As you, as, you, as you grow older, as your children grow older, or you get married, or you're single, whatever you're going through in life, it is always a, another challenge. It's the way we take the challenge into ourselves. So a person is overwhelmed with the challenge. Something is really annoying, annoying. So what a person does when he feels the pain, sort of he looks at the or hataklis and he sees the ultimate, everything's gonna be good. You calm down and this light sort of stays a little bit with you so you could cope the rest of the day. And he says even much, much more, even, uh, much more powerfully explains, Ramnachman he says, what really happens, you get a deeper understanding. That means when you come down to yourself, person calms down, he has sort of a deeper understanding of our life. There's certain things that we understand we cannot articulate. For instance, no one could articulate the feeling that you have about Hashem, my closeness to Hashem, 
No one could, no one could, you know, you, even your true relationship with your husband, your children, or your parents, or you, know, you could say it's strained or it's great. You know, the depths of it, certain things can never, never be articulated. There's certain things, understanding a life, a person could say, you know, the coffee is sweet, but you and the other person are enjoying the coffee differently. It's a, you can't explain it. The way he enjoys the coffee, you enjoy it, you just happen to know we identified it's sweet. There's sugar in it and it's coffee. But in, the, how you enjoy it is a whole different way. The same thing is the understanding about life. The more a person thinks about it, takes time, things, the ultimate, ultimate is great is that, and, the, and the, when you calm down, it literally brings an understanding. Understanding calms a person down. You know, when we have strife in our life, and we argue and we bicker because there's a lack of peace. The more a person has, on, whenever I get into argument with my wife, it's, I always, my first thing I tell myself is that this, I, am, I have a misunderstanding. My, I have shortness that I don't understand her. Because if I would understand her, there, was nothing, there is nothing to argue. When there is das, clear understanding, there's nothing to argue. Argument is because you don't understand each other. When, like, when you really understand where the person is coming from, there's very little to argue. You know, the, the proof to it is when Mashiach comes, the Pasik says there'll be such a shalom in the world, the lion will lay down with the sheep and a bear with a goat. It's a Pasik Yeshaya. So the Pasik says, why kumalar it's there? The world will be full of understanding wisdom. When it's full of understanding, then, then you, you get along. You ever notice that you get into a fight when your mind is not clear, you're just agitated, didn't sleep well, and you're, you'll, you'll notice that you, most often you get into an argument is when you are not rested, and we call it moichin de katnes, it's called. When your mind is not alert, and you're just foggy, and you get irritated, and you don't even know why you're irritated. But when a person is clear-minded, that makes peace, and not just makes peace between a, a, a human relation, it makes an inner deep peacefulness. So what Rachman is saying, when a person is in pain, he should always look at the old, close his eyes, say the ultimate, ultimate, everything ever is going to happen, the end is going to be good. Right now, you don't see it. Right now, we have to do, we have to deal with the pain. If the deal, you have a toothache, you can't just close your eyes and say, everything is going to be good. You, have, you know, a toothache never went away when you close your eyes and said everything's going to be good. The toothache has to be taken care of, and the annoying thing has to be taken care of. Your flat is not, I, was, I always say, oh, this, I was once, I, sometimes they ask me to speak in the rehab center. So I was once, when I have the question and answer, so someone asked me a question, Rabbi, wouldn't learning Hasidus heal me, you know, my addiction? So I said to him, Look, if a person breaks his leg and has a toothache, will Hasidus heal his toothache and broken leg? Never happened. You know, you know, Torah is so great and Hasidus is so great, but the toothache a dentist needs to take care and a broken leg an orthopedic needs to take care of. Hasidus is not going to help. If, you know, obviously something is broken that your addiction, you need to be helped. 
it is what chesidus could help a person is have a greater relationship with Hashem, a greater light and appreciation, and how to cope. So the or hatachlis brings into a person a understanding. So you can have a toothache and be so agitated and so so agitated with yourself and everyone around you. And there's other people have a toothache and they laugh about it and they smile about it and the, it's not the it's not the whole world around you is caving in because of the toothache. This is the same idea. The more you look at it, it's called the aura tachlis, the future, the light. And it comes into a person, it's called the leftover. It gives a deeper understanding, appreciation, what life brings. So this is like, it has to, we look ahead, but we live in the now. So the person, that's why Shabbos is called me'en o'ilam haba. You know, we sing in Shabbos, it's called me'en haba, Shabbos is called. Shabbos if a person is really connected to Shabbos and you rest Shabbos and you put everything out of your mind, all your business, you come back the next week to do business in a much better head. Someone recently told me that he's keeping Shabbos already for two years. He says, he's a businessman. You know, my business is much better. He says, I don't say because I keep Shabbos, the blessing of it. He says, because a whole day, 24 hours, I don't think about it. Before I became religious, my business was in my head seven days a week. You know, the only time wasn't if I went on vacation with my wife. Because I said, it's true, when a person, I explained it, it makes sense, a person when he looks at the ultimate of everything, sort of, you forget about everything, the Shabbos brings into your understanding that you, there's nothing to explain. There's no, like certain things that we understand, we can't articulate it. There's a certain deep understanding you get about yourself, about your spouse, about your children, about life, what's bothering you, which you can, there's no way you could articulate it pro- properly. That's called tachlis masa shemayim v'oretz, we say in, 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 in Kiddush. The ultimate is very good. Now, the same what Nachman is explaining, and it gets a very deep in how he explains this, but the davening, has to also have a tachlis. That you, whenever you daven, you should try to make sure your davening is one davening. Not you should daven, and all of a sudden, the beginning of a davening, as I tell people, all of a sudden, our mind wanders all over. Isn't that amazing? I always tell people, it comes to davening, praying, is the hardest thing for people to do. I tell people that people keep pace of every chumr in the book. And we have such chumras. A few years ago, I had was called to sit at the entire. So the lady, this is this was, wow. The grandmother had all her grandchildren on the Pesach program. So you know, asked her, you know, what's the entire? Well, I paid a hundred and three thousand dollars and this and this man from a family and the matzis. There was gebrachts. I don't know what gebrachts is. They dipped the matzah in water, and he didn't tell me that. I want my whole money back. Now she's willing to spend $103,000 taking the family. She must be wealthy, obviously, but, uh, but the point was, for the, she was so annoyed, she said, I would have paid, that's what she said, I would have paid a lot more, the shouldn't have been gebracht. I tried to explain, they didn't advertise that way, there's no gebracht, and you could have left this first minute, you're right. The point is that people will keep every chumr and spend money if they have it to do it. Comes to davening, I never heard people be machmer about davening. You know, maybe a little bit machmed, daven with a little bit more kavana. Davening is like we come late and we leave early. 
That's a davening is. Which corner can I cut, Rabbi? Which is, I have always asked the questions, you know, which part do I really do have to say, which one I could cut? And we, it is because we don't, it, it is, and the reason why this such a there's nothing as powerful that connects us to Hashem as the prayer. Nothing. The prayer makes God a reality. One of the main reasons Hashem made us that we need so many things that we should turn to Him. You know, you are much closer to the child or to the spouse who you rely on each other. You know, when you know, a person needs you, you need each other, you might not be in the best of mood with each other, but we rely on each other, makes people close to each other. It doesn't have to be every minute I am enthralled with Hashem. Sometimes we are annoyed and things don't go our way, but the fact that you daven to Him and you thank Him and you appreciate Him, and that is, you know, makes the relationship. And that's why the Yetzirah doesn't want us to daven. And you'll notice, you know, the, I, as I joke with the men, they don't have to live, they have to see a show, they don't come late. But davening, certain people know how to walk in a half hour late exactly. No matter what time we start davening, always exactly half hour late. Because we don't have humris about davening, because it takes really emotional demand from us to daven. And it is not, anything that has a demanding is so holy and powerful. You know, when things go easy in life, that doesn't sound like it's very holy. You know, easy things, I always tell people, we only get addicted to things we don't like, which is unhealthy. No one got addicted to whole wheat bread. You know, I said, you know, I miss my whole wheat bread. We get addicted to things that are not, things that are difficult is, are usually the best thing for you. And davening is the vehicle that gets us close to Hashem. And it's not only that, that we express to Hashem, make Hashem reality, but as he began to explain from the beginning, it is, a, it is a life. Every word of prayer has a life to itself and is there connected to you, which connects you to Hashem. It's not just, you know, you know I said something to Hashem, I said Baruch and I said Ashrei, that ashray, that word ashray has four letters. That word ashray has sort of a whole life which got connected to you. It's not like I said ashray, yeah, I said it last year. I said, no, 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 no. When you come up there, you see in the bank account all the ashrays that you had and all the life that you had. And it is, it, that is in the ultimate, ultimate, the davening is the one that brings us very close to Hashem. <clears throat> So then he explains that when a person is close to a tzaddik, you know, you learn the chassidus, you learn the words of tzaddikim, because let me, let me explain this a little deeper. The Gemara says that Dovid the Melech begged Hashem, I should live in two worlds. So the Gemara says, what do you mean? I should live in two worlds. Well, either you live in this world, when you pass, you live in the next world. If you're the next world, you're not here. What it says, I beg Hashem that when, the, when the, the, the things that I teach should be said over my name. Let's say, tell him. Tell him. We, we say, Ledovid Mizmoy, Lamad Seich Ledovid. King David is mentioned all our davenings. What really happens 
What really happens is that when we quote a tzaddik, we get connected to it. You know, we say, Dovid, Melech, Yisrael, Chai, Gekayim. That means David, King David, had such an incredible soul that we are all sort of connected to him. We daven his words. All davenings is, is from Telem. It's based on Telem, certain chapters to switch a little bit around, but 90% of the words very often, very often, is the Gemara shows how each thing is built and placed in Telem. So the koyach of being connected to a tzaddik is you learn his words, you get connected. To any tzaddik it's that way. You, it means when you say his words of Torah, so that spirit of the tzaddik, you got connected. You don't see it, obviously, but that's how it is. Tillam is so powerful, it's like David HaMelech would have said it himself. The mother says, King David, Davin to Hashem, when you say Tillam, let it be like he would have said it. And that's why if you, if you tell him, you, you're saying a chapter about something totally that happened to the King David. The Shabbos, I explained in Shul, there's a very famous chapter, 59. And tell him, chapter 59, though the Malach is speaking about how his first year of marriage looked like. He was a newlywed. Let me describe you how his newlywed life looked. Now, we would think his newlywed life was rosy and he had a, you know, honeymoon and everything was great and he was enthralled. So the, the Pasik says, he killed Gullius. So King Shaul told him, whoever kills Gullius, I give him my daughter. So at the end, he married Michal Bashol. He married, he was a newlywed King David. Michal Bashol, then all of a sudden, Shaul became mentally ill, the Pasik says, and he became enraged against David, and he nearly killed him a few times. So chapter 59 discusses a story what Micha Balshul, his newlywed wife, did a few weeks after they were married. What happened? What happened was that David saw that his Shaul was his father-in-law, he's in, he's in a bad situation, he wants to kill him. So he ran home to his wife, and his wife tells him, you better get out of here. David the Melech, middle of the night, being such an incredible personality, snuck away. There were guards watching. In Tillam it says very clearly, there were guards watching, literally, King David, because they sure want to have him arrested in the morning. It's like, imagine, the FBI is watching the house. In the front of the nose, the FBI, you know, the criminal just disappeared. King David was such a sneak, he just went out through the back window, jumped down, and disappeared. It Pusik says, not only were the guards there, there were dogs watching, and he got away. In the morning, you know, they want to come in, they come knock on the door, and Michal Bashul says, my husband is not feeling well. And she tries to show him, she put a, a, a doll with a pillow, it looks like someone is in bed, you know, see, he's not feeling well. Go back to King Shaul, Shaul says, I don't care, bring him alive or dead, bring him with his bed into the palace. They come in, and see, it was a doll. It wasn't, they were gone already. So in that capital, Tillam, 59, he talks about his episode, that episode, how he literally, in a here, ran, got off, and ran away. And middle, he also says to Hashem, and when all nations are gang up against us, okay, watch us, help us get away. So the Medrash says a very interesting thing. Even this, this was a personal episode about King David. But 
that capital tilum, when you say it, could help you to have a refu shalema, could help you with your, your, you know, your panosa or a relationship. It could help anything. Even that tilum, as it talks about his personal fear, what happened to him as a newlywed, and how his wife saved him, how his father tried to kill him, and with a he ran away, and he's on the run. But Tillam was so powerful to tell him that when you say it, it's sort of, it's like King David says it, and it can help you for anything. Because, and the reason for this is, is because prayer is very hard. And so we connect ourselves to David the Melech's Tillam, and sort of that helps us. But there's no question, you should articulate. A person should be able to say clearly, Rebani Shalom, I need help with this, or I need help with this, and thank Hashem for this. And I tell people, if you sit down and you want to pray, you're confused, just say down, I came to talk to you, I'm tongue-tied. I don't know how to begin. Today I'm so stressed, I wish I could say what's on my heart, but my heart is so much a stone, it's so tongue, I don't know how to say it. Saying this itself helps a person get connected to Hashem. And because each word you say, there's a connects Hashem in what even more what Nachman explains in this Torah the words of Hashem davening has a tachlis and that at the end brings the light of the tachlis into yourself and like I said before when you close your eyes you think of the ultimate 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 everything is going to be good the ultimate ultimate everything's the end is going to be good right now we don't see it but you daven you sort of get this light a little bit into yourself the Moedavan, which makes you have better understanding about life. Now, this is a very, very important title, and I just want to reiterate. <clears throat> I just want to reiterate over here that what Nachman is saying, when a person goes through just, I really want to explain this because a few people asked me to, to say this Torah over. This is very famous and the many books written on this. Someone wrote a whole book based on this. But really he's saying over here, pain is pain. You can't run away from your toothache. You can't run away from your headache. You can't run away from your business is in trouble. I hope no one has toothaches, no one has headaches, no one has business troubles. But the reality, whatever troubles we have, it exists. But what a person can do is to uh, live with it much easier. And if you know there's an ultimate for everything, you know, right now it's tough, but you, if you look at the ultimate goal, it's much easier to tolerate. Look, the simple way, if you ask a lady who's pregnant and she's not feeling well, and they're vomiting, and they can't eat, but they're very happy they're pregnant. My wife has a friend who didn't have children for 24 years. And finally, she had twins, manip medical manipulation. And my wife used to speak to her. She lives in Williamsburg. My wife used to speak to her often. And, and it was very difficult. She wasn't so young. She used to tell I was waiting all my life for this pain. <laughs> all my life. I wish, well, I'm not kvetching. I say over another story. When I was very young and newlywed, and my friend, my partner, learning in Lakewood, and I would say over the story, and his uncle came to visit him. It was Sunday morning, and his uncle says to him, why do you look so bad? So he says, you know, the baby had the first child, the baby had an earache, much of Shabbos, 
half the night. I was with the baby, the other half my wife was the baby. And, you know, it was catchy, you know, catching, you know. The uncle started crying. He says, I wish I could hold a baby with the earache crying on my shoulder. He never had children. So when you quetched about, he would wish to have a baby to cry with the earache in his shoulders. So here, this person says, I wish that would be what I, I could have that. And the other person is saying, Ay, the baby just misbehaved. You know, like uh, I, I one time on the Shabbos, a lady asked me this question. She says, Rabbi, I want to ask you something. You tell us to be happy. She tells me this story. An hour before Shabbos, she puts her, uh, uh, she's about to put one of her children to the bath. So a three-year-old ripped the coloring book and threw it into the bathtub. So, Rabbi, you want me to be calm an hour before Shabbos when the three-year-old... Um, so I said, there's two ways I could tell you. Imagine an hour ago before that, you got a phone call that you just want $50,000. Not $50 million, $50,000. You want clear. I think you would have been much calmer. You wouldn't have got so angry. Second, there are people who are... I've met people who, couldn't, who had such a hard time with children would grab a camera and say, this is a Kodak moment. I will take this picture and show my three-year-old what you did an hour before Shabbos. So it's the way you look at things. In life, it's always the way you look at things. For one person, it is, you know, I'm pregnant and I'm vomiting and I'm laying in bed. And the other person, I, I was waiting for this. It's, it's great to have this feeling. It's the way we see things very often in life that, you know, the whole pain doesn't mean you're not vomiting. It doesn't mean you don't have a, you know, you're not nauseous. It doesn't mean that the baby is driving you nuts. It doesn't mean the baby didn't throw coloring crayons into the bathtub. But another person says, great. You know, I used to tell my wife when the, baby, when the children were young, crying, Baruch Hashem, they're crying. You know, just get all nervous, the baby and the children are bickering. Baruch Hashem, we have children who bicker with each other. You know, it's the way you look at things. And the ultimate way is when a person, you know, not always can we put things into such an easy way looking at it. Sometimes it's beyond our comprehension. And when you look at the ultimate of everything, ultimate, 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 the end is, even though right now we don't see it. See, these certain things you could refocus and say, this is a blessing. The children is a blessing. Children ripping a, 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 a coloring book is a blessing. But sometimes there's no way to look at it. But when you look at the tachlis, the ultimate goal, which is called the ora tachlis, that shines into a person. And that, even though right now it can make sense, that itself will make a sense for a person. Okay. Ah. Okay. I thought something to think if I'm coming no, in. No, no. I watch uh, my watch. Okay. Okay.